Welcome back to Library Media Chatter, the podcast that tries to be everything. As always, this is Dan and Greg here to talk to you about the most exciting things happening in the library space these days. And coming up later, Greg's going to read us some of his teen poetry from when he was a, a young man. Greg, can you give us some titles to look forward to? Maybe something <laughs> like, Are You There, Zeno? It's Me, Elron? I really did enjoy... Um, I really did enjoy those titles that you offered me. Uh, I <laughs> cannot give you any titles. None, okay. These are all untitled works. Oh, I will say there is a lot about Gandalf. So, sure. I mean, just buckle up. Yeah. I, yeah. I've always thought of you uh, as a I, who needs a title kind of poet. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's like untitled Gandalf 74. Sure. You yeah, know like the Shakespearean I mean? sonnet. Right, just exactly. numbered. Yeah. <laughs> but not by you, just as the archivist looked through the collection. I was going to say, by whoever is enjoying the fruits of my literary yeah. labors. Yeah, I very much look forward to hearing more about <laughs> yeah. this later in the episode, but let's jump right into it. Greg, what are right. you reading? I am reading Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. And <clears throat> if you're not familiar with this book, it is a YA fantasy that's set in Los Angeles. It's about a trans boy, Yadriel. And it, this is an own voices novel because Aiden Thomas is also, I think, a Latinx um, trans man. And so the story is about Gadriel kind of coming of age in a family of Bruhex, which is the word for like a kind of like a witch, I guess. Um, and so the but like the assigned female and the assigned male um Bruhex in this world have different types of abilities. So when Yadriel, who's trans, uh, is supposed to do his coming of age ceremony, they stop him because they're not sure what's going to happen. And so then the rest of the book is <clears throat> kind of see. It turns out he does have the right abilities for a boy, a Brujo, and the rest of the book is kind of him using those abilities to try to prove to his family who he is and that they should accept him. It's um, very much a YA book, if that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it is, I think that trans kids and LGBTQ kids will like this book for the representation because I think, you know, Yadriel is a likable trans boy protagonist, which we don't have a lot of. And um, it's, it is well-written, but it's also, I mean, it's a lot of, world building telling you all the magic rules for this fantasy setting and for me that i i lose interest in that pretty fast and then there's a lot of um i guess microaggressions from yadriel's family and to okay. me that also wore thin pretty fast i mean i understood very quickly that they were not accepting and i didn't need it to be hit over the head with it okay. um but you know i think a great title to have in your collection because it is really, I mean, it, it hits a lot of groups that I think are underrepresented. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my take on it. Very cool. That's a title I know that I'd heard about and it's showing up on lists and things. Yeah. Of course, based on the summary that you gave, obviously that book is going to show up on lists. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm glad that, uh, that you got to read on it. And what about you? What are you reading? Um, so I am reading a book called What I Carry by Jennifer Longo. Uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the Gateway nominees. 
So we, as a podcast, are not going to cover on a month-by-month basis the Gateway nominees, but that doesn't mean I won't be sneaking a few in that I particularly liked, or we might find some time uh, before the second annual Barnsby's. I was going to say, please, some of them. Re- uh, listeners, rest assured, oh, there will yeah. be a second annual Barnsby. There should be some new categories. I've already yeah. got some ideas for new oh, categories nice. okay. uh, based on these particular books. Hopefully something about the Gandalf poem. Oh, mostly, uh... if I if I hold on to this one, mostly Gandalf <laughs> yeah. related. It'll all be Gandalf yeah. quotes that give us our category. Fantastic. Fantastic. The, the, the you shall not pass award <laughs> for, I don't know what yet. But we'll I was going to say, that might be the only one I still know. But, <laughs> no, yeah. we'll, we'll have plenty by then. That uh, The new Lord of the Rings show is coming out soon. So oh, yeah. We'll right. To, Good call. Build back up in that world. <laughs> Your poetry will find a new audience, Greg. Yes, thank Finally. <laughs> so this book for me uh, I, I really liked it because Greg is usually the one that talks about books that deal with nature yes and spending time in nature in a positive way where some of the gateways it's I don't know being eaten by a bear or whatever right. I, we haven't had a right. lot of those but sometimes you have those kind of adventure uh, stories that nature's the the bad guy you know man versus nature is one of the types of conflict i've heard of that even if you did not know yeah. that <laughs> yeah i'm aware of that as an idea uh <laughs> this one that is not the conflict it is Got not it. uh man versus <clears throat> nature it is uh the main character muir uh mm-hmm. named after ah. name is muriel uh-huh. but spelled like john muir the naturalist yeah um and so she is big into nature and a big muir fan and how could she not be sure what's what i thought was interestingly done so it's set in the seattle area Mm -hmm. uh, and muir is born basically into the foster system Mm -hmm. um she does not have a memory as as far as i can remember she doesn't have a memory of a parent um she doesn't really remember being given up because i think she was a baby um and she is now about to age out the story takes place in her last year within the foster system and ends up on an island on the outskirts of Seattle that is this beautiful kind of natural setting. And she is being fostered by a woman who has fostered it's at hundreds of kids. Just she's constantly, she's spent her adult life fostering and she had stopped doing it and kind of made an exception because the caseworker was like, hey, I think that this could be good for her Mm -hmm. if she could be with you and just kind of be the only person and whatever. And so there's some conflict in the, I need to be independent and be my own person because I need to be ready to be on my own, right? I'm not going to be in the system anymore. So I don't want to be beholden to anything or anyone. And this older one, she's now an older woman, uh, who's the the foster mom who's like yeah great be independent do your thing just I'm here to help if you need it but no big deal mm-hmm. but they have a very the relationship is good and maybe too good at times for both mm-hmm. of them and <clears throat> it's going to a school and establishing friends and it's the longest time that she's ever been in one house and at one school and dealing with all of this stuff so all of the conflict is internal and, and what she's going through and the the kind of things that she thinks that she needs to be or want for her future versus maybe what's actually available to her now 
that she's in a more positive situation than she's been in. The what I carry relates to in some of the chapters, she'll talk about this bag of things that she's kept from mm-hmm. certain places and kind of what that represents and why she is the person that she is. I thought it was really well written. Uh, the story was well told. Yeah. Uh, so definitely worth reading. It's one of my favorites so far in the gateways this year. For me, not a nature reader, it was neat to see some of the the way that they talk about different things and reference yeah. naturalists. Yeah, that sounds like one I would like. I'm gonna I think I'm so. looking forward to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's not overly set like let me describe all the leaves and berries as we walk around <laughs> or whatever. You will hear more about this at the end of this year when we get to the second annual Barnsies for sure. Yeah. All right. So with that, let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the Dewey Decimal number 299, which means it's time for the favorite game of Middle Earth and Narnia. (laughs) Do we know our Dewey? I'm going to name books of call numbers that start with 299. Greg is going to guess what that section is all about. Greg, are you ready? I'm so ready. All right. Highlights from this Dewey number include... Celtic Mythology by Corona Brazina. African Myths and Beliefs by Tony Allen. Native American Faith in America by Michael Garrett and J.T. Garrett. Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. Yeah. Greg, what is the theme of this section? All right. I know that the two, because I'm a good librarian. Yeah. Kind of. I know that, that the two. You're award winning. You're a champion. Yeah. Well, that's true. Great champ. That's right. Two years in a row. That's right. I know that the two hundreds are religion, and I could also tell that from the titles that you told me. And I'm going to say because that's such a wide range: Celtic, African, Native American, and Chinese. I'm going to say it's like non-Christian religions. You know what, Craig? We're going to give that one to you. Uh, when I decide, when when Dewey oh, sent me boy. these numbers yeah. and the the books that I should be looking for, I was intrigued. What do these all have in common? Uh huh. So I had to find several different places, and they all had different wordings of things. So some possibilities of the oh. wording of this text that <laughs> oh, I found okay. of the two nine nine. Yeah. And again, Greg points out Celtic, Chinese, African, Native American. It's a wide range. Yeah, it's a big net. Possibilities for this include religions not provided for elsewhere. Oh. So we've already covered all the other religions. Because the other ones have like one number, like 291. Yes. Yeah. So you've got huge amounts. Uh, Hold on. Let me keep going. Uh, Basically, this is not wording that I found, but this is what I put together in looking at a few different charts. Basically, anything not Christian. Uh, all of the 200s, except for the 290s, seem to be Christian religion. Yeah. And then once you get to the 290s, then we get to see some world, some gotcha. non-Christian religion. Gotcha. Uh, one place referred to it as mythology and world religions. And I just in looking at it, I thought it was pretty fascinating how many religions fit into the 290s as a whole? Oh man. And then 299 as its own single number. <laughs> yeah. And all religions, all books about religion and like that world 
that deal with uh, black American religions or community kind of religious yeah. experiences and religions originating in Africa uh-huh. are all under 299.6. Oh, wow. So, like, Celtic mythology is 299 point, and you get a few things. Yeah, there. yeah. The entire continent of Africa, wow. plus everyone of African descent that is yeah. in the United States, gets 299.6. Crazy. I thought that was very odd and yeah. interesting, and yeah. I'm glad that Dewey opened uh, that box for me, because that was <laughs> one of those, I was pretty sure something like that was going on, but then actually clicking through and seeing yeah. that, that yeah. kind of blew my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's um, really that's really interesting. Yeah, so thank you to Dewey number 299 for sponsoring this episode. Yes, thank you. and thank you to Dewey himself. Welcome back to Library Media Chatter. We're here to start our second favorite segment of every episode because we like them in the order in which we do them. That's right. Greg, what are you doing? Oh, well, this is kind of more of a what am I not doing? Mm-hmm. It's a very long list, but the thing that I'm going to focus on today is uh, talking about this new Missouri Senate bill. So if you are not a Missourian and or you just have not seen an article about this or don't know about this yet. So I think it was it maybe it was over the summer, maybe late spring, the Missouri legislature passed a bill that was really about sexual assault victims. <laughs> and one of our esteemed representative senators, I guess, tacked on an amendment that has this lovely little uh, law criminalizing, um, providing explicit, I'm going to read from the statute right now, providing explicit sexual material to a student if you are affiliated with a public or private elementary or secondary school in an official capacity. And so it's a class A misdemeanor and it is, it seems to be exclusively about visual content. So the description is pictorial, three-dimensional visual, including photography, film, video picture, or computer generated image. And it is really kind of anything from anything visual from nudity to um, kind of, you know, sec, a sex act. It kind of covers the whole range there. And the breadth of the statute is that you are guilty of this if you know the content and character of the material and then knowing uh, you provide, assign, supply, distribute, loan, coerce, acceptance of, which I just... That's the part that makes me want to scream. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, providing explicit sexual material to a student, or you simply possess it with the purpose of yeah. doing all those things. Yeah. You know, and it does make an exception for works of art when taken as a whole that have sig- serious artistic significance, works of anthropological significance, materials used in science courses including but not limited to biology, anatomy, physiology, and sexual education. Well, thank goodness we only teach chastity in Missouri. So, you know, (laughs) they can just show them fully clothed and sitting on opposite sides of the room. So what I'm not doing is I am not going through my collection and trying to find titles that might fall under this because 
Um, <clears throat> so I was recently at a training we with a lot of librarians in my district. We had a long conversation about this and the reaction of most of the librarians in that room was to say, well, we have to start going through everything in our collection and getting rid of it especially graphic novels, right? Like that's the real fear here. It, like this, that's the real target. Well, this. to start, right? Yeah. Because yes. as soon as those are taken care of, then we'll go to regular fiction. And yep. instead of having it be sexual, we'll just say it's people that look like X or whatever. Right, we'll, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. I mean, this is really, I, I agree with you. I think this was a testing the waters to see what we can get away with. Yeah. And they are going to be emboldened. So what I'm not doing is I am not going to go through my collection and I'm not going to try to pick out books. Um, I do not know currently of any books except one in our collection that has this type of content. I am going to remove that because I've been told, you know, by administrators to remove that book from our collection. It's genderqueer. Um, I think I talked about it in another yeah. podcast. Um, it's uh outrageously offensive to me that I have to remove it but I will um but I'm not going to go looking for more because I'm not going to do these people's job for them and I'm not going to make it easier for them to censor people um yeah so anyway that's what I'm not doing uh well, and that's what I know you're you yeah go ahead no I was gonna say that's within the uh, not guidelines but the the comments from Mazel the official statements from right. Mazel were about that that we don't believe that any of the things that we're purchasing that would fall under these ideas of sexually explicit um, or in, inappropriate really in any way for right. everyone. If, if you don't want your kid to read it, don't right. have your kid read it. Right. But there are plenty of people that are very happy to have their children read a wide variety of types of books about a wide variety of types of people and situations right. and whatever. Uh, so that shouldn't be taken away from them. Also, when you word in here, works of art when taken as a whole mm -hmm. that has serious artistic significance or anthropological significance yeah uh, what's the judge of that like right. i i wouldn't purchase books if i didn't think that they had artistic significance yeah i'm not purchasing things just going oh i don't know this i'm sure this will be dumb <laughs> i'm sure this is going to be offensive to people yeah sure i gotta this spend this terrible. money so i'm gonna yeah. just get these books oh yeah we i'm i'm given so much money right that yeah. I don't know what to do with, right. that I just start going Buying to, books. yeah, I yeah. go into gas stations and I find behind the counter, the ones in bags and just go, I don't the know how much bag. are those expensive. <laughs> I need, I need to spend some money. Um, Make sure you get those tax exempt though. Yeah. Like, yes, like. yes. I'm sure that would get approved by yeah. the financial offices of every district. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what? I know that you don't like that. I purchased this material, but, but I didn't pay the tax on it. I so did not. I used our tax exempt leather. Uh, I don't know. I don't know a lot of things. I yeah, guess I'm learning. Same. It's the the feeling that people assume that we're buying these with the intention of whatever blows yeah. my mind. Other than going, you know what? I have students in this building who need to read these things for any yeah. number of reasons because yeah. this is who they are and it's what they're going through, or they need to be aware of, or they 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 want to be more aware of the world around them. Uh, the number of books I was, I've been reading all the dogwoods this summer and I'm, I'm just about done. And the number of books that I've read that I've gone and I didn't really know enough about this. Mm -hmm. It's all these nonfiction things that I mm -hmm. wish I would have known more mm -hmm. about. And there are kids who are more 
intellectually curious apparently than I was as a <laughs> child where I'm like, I don't know, history's fun and I'll read whatever you have me read and move on. But there are so many things out there that are not talked about elsewhere. I'm not forcing anybody to read any books. Right. You can look at my circulation numbers and see that these books that you're worried about are not being forced, coerced. Right. Uh, nobody's being forced to do any of this stuff. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. I think it's, it's Maslow's point about not going in and immediately saying we're getting rid of, okay, I will start pulling books that I think might fit this yeah. because then where does it stop? Right. Because if I think these three books might've been a bridge too far, now that I've kind of dug through them, I right. think maybe these are a bridge too far. Then the people that want to censor and the people that want to get rid of these things and the people that are, are pre-offended by the idea of books mm-hmm. are then going to go, oh, well, if you think those are bad, then I've got to find other ones that are probably bad, but you don't think are bad right. because we can't be on the same page. Right. You're a crazy person who right. wants to educate students uh, for a, a low salary and... <laughs> Like, I was like, you went into this thinking this is the dream situation. Yeah. So I've got to go out and find worse things than you're yeah. finding. Yeah. And I, I'm not ready to help people out. And I'm glad you mentioned gender queer. I know of, of districts that have gone through the process of like these have been challenged and not removed from shelves. Right. Interesting that now, okay, well maybe we're going to be forced to. Yeah. Um, my. I want to say the the outgoing, so I don't think he's the board president anymore. I think he, his term was up and he was stepping down. But the outgoing board president last year had specifically talked about in a board meeting. Like I read this book and had the form next to me mm-hmm. to challenge because mm-hmm. I was so sure based on what everybody's saying that this is going to be bad. And, and about halfway through the book, I was starting, I was about to start filling it out. Mm-hmm. And then I finished the book taken as a whole mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and that was the point that he made was then i read it and went oh now that i've read the entire thing i mm-hmm. realized the significance i realized the merit and yeah. i don't think it is anything that should be removed like yeah. it, it doesn't fit that for me yeah so for somebody to then come to me and go if they do you need to get rid of this book and this book and this book. You're like well what happened to these duly elected officials who've said, yeah. no, it's not like this right. doesn't fit this category of things uh, that somebody threw on to a well-meaning bill to try to, to, to mess with stuff. Like, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think the way that this got passed tells you everything you need to know about the people behind it. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, way, the kind of attempt to, legislate censorship because they couldn't do it through school like school boards tells you everything about these people yeah um and i just i have individual communities are not shooting these down yeah individual school communities are going no this is fine i get what you're saying but no these are fine just don't read it exactly just don't read it and so i i just think that you are correct when you say that this will not be where they stop um and I think that the people who are leading the charge on this, and not everyone, but the ones who are leading the charge are people who are not good actors. They are bad actors. They are malicious. And they are doing this because they want to obliterate people who are different from them. And I, that is horrifying. And yeah. unfortunately, I think we have a Supreme Court that will not 
uh, probably not support free speech in in if this ever makes it to them. I don't know, but yeah. I mean, it's been real discouraging to see their decisions over the last few months. So yeah, uh, you know, this may be a long term problem that we have to deal with, and not something that a single court case resolves. Yeah. And so no, I, I think that's right. I don't think this is going to be a, a, a small <clears throat> potatoes moment. I think yeah. this is going to be a long, drawn out. How much can we kind of stand up for the things that we think are worth having? Yeah. Uh, and going from there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move to something a little happier. Oh, one thing. Uh, I just want to oh, yeah. make clear that we are not suggesting people not follow this law, right? You should no. obey the law and you should, but you need to, there's you, no, no reason for you to seek out material to take from out of your yeah. collection. Like wait until someone raises your awareness of the content and then respond appropriately. Yeah. I think right? that's fair. Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm positive that this is something that will be talked about more oh, <laughs> as for sure. time goes on. Yeah. Uh, so let's move to something a little bit more uh, happy. Yeah. Exciting, positive. This uh, is the good. kind of book they want to get rid of. So yeah, it probably mean... is. No, no, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. So uh, this month in our reader's nook, we're going to look at another dogwood. This one is titled, You Don't Have to Be Everything, Poems for Girls Becoming Themselves edited by Diana Whitney. And if you can tell from that title, Greg and I are the ideal <laughs> pair. To yeah, talk we were the target audience the for this, this book. Uh, that being said, we're going to do our best. It might be a little shorter than some of our other ones, uh, but that's okay. Um, so I'm going to read the, the brief kind of summary of the idea, and then we'll talk about what we liked about it and whatever. The poems in this collection, chosen with girls in mind, sing of diversity, self-discovery, and self-acceptance grouped by emotional experience, which I thought was kind of a cool thing that they yeah. did in the editing of this. Yeah. Uh, the poems are grouped by emotional experience. The poems offer girls and young women wisdom and compassion for a vital formative time in their lives. They also give the reader permission to let go of shame and perfectionism. By accepting your own contradictions, you can embrace the fullness of who you are and of who you are becoming. Greg, I really enjoyed this book. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that I'm not the, the audience and that my my sons are not the i have two boys so the mm. idea like this is not in my world at all except you know half of the students in my buildings and yeah. uh the the people that i'm surrounded by every day yeah i thought this was really cool um tell me some of your thoughts on it yeah i liked it as well i mean i like you i liked the uh organization around topics and then in the introduction the editor says cuz this is an edited collect maybe you said that it's um most almost every poem is by a different author. Yes. And so um, the editor says those topics are just suggestions. Like you might have a different emotional reaction to yes. the topic of a poem and that's okay too. Um, and I thought, <clears throat> I really liked the introduction actually. I thought that editor did, a, this editor did a great job of talking about kind of the accessibility of poetry and its meaningfulness, even if you, it's not, an intellectual exercise, if that makes sense, that it's more about the emotional experience of it. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's anything groundbreaking in this book, if that makes sense. You know, it's a lot of the same messaging that sure. I think is circulating through a lot of YA literature right now. And sure. I think it a little bit in its kind of organizing principle veers towards self-help, which okay. isn't bad, you know, but I mean, just something to be aware of. But I think it it has some big name authors. It's got Elizabeth Acevedo. It's got Margaret Atwood. It's got Maya Angelou. 
Um, it's got um, some really good poems and it does some clever things with the poems. I mean, they're, I actually thought some of them might be more difficult. And then I thought like more difficult than a high school student would enjoy. Yeah. But then I thought maybe not, you know, it's really just about experiencing it and reading it and hearing yeah. it. And so um, anyway, I was very impressed with this. I think it will have sadly a pretty low circulation, but I still think it should be in everybody's collection. For sure. Um, no, I agree with basically everything you said. The one thing I was going to add are two things. Yeah. One is I think for your students who like to write that this is a good thing to kind of throw their way because I don't, th this was not a, a collection of poetry from the 1800s. Right. Going, I don't understand. Yeah. And I can't write this way. A lot of it was very accessible. I thought all of I it agree. was very accessible. I, I think almost all, of, most of them are very accessible. Yes. I agree. So that's a, a nice thing as a young writer to see that this yeah. is what poetry can look like. Yep. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to point out uh, was I think this is a great thing to suggest to your teachers, your English mm -hmm. teachers. So if you're looking for poems to use in class, these are things that are mostly contemporary. Like there's nothing from 1747 or something. These right. are these are contemporary poems and they are things that I think will hit your students maybe more fully than some of those other types of uh, poetry might. As cer certainly as a starting out. So yeah. maybe you can get to Thanatopsis at some point, but you've got to start somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, giving yourself that permission to use, I thought it was uh, a really nice collection of work that can serve some purposes within your, for your individual readers and for your English department. Yeah, absolutely. Agreed. All right. So we were both fans of that one. And we think that you will be too. If you have thoughts on this book or anything that we've talked about during this episode, make sure to send us an email to librarymediachatter at gmail.com. We will be right back to wrap things up. Hi, everyone. So this is Greg, and I am checking in after uh, a long few days. Um, after this conversation that I recorded with Dan talking about kind of my plans for the library, um, I went to some district meetings and learned that, in fact, I will be doing exactly what I said I would not be doing. So I have been directed um, by administrators to review all of the visual content in the library um, and to remove any content that might um, be an infraction of this law. And so even though I stand by kind of my feelings and what I believe about uh, responded to this law and what I said in my conversation with Dan, I did want to kind of be transparent and update you that I am going to end up doing the opposite of what I said. So anyway, just wanted to share that with you. On to the uh, commercial, I believe. This episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by Student Artwork. We love all of it and are happy to take more, but sometimes I'm not sure what to do with Pinch Pot number 70. <laughs> Student Art, keep it coming especially the good ones. So welcome back to the podcast. We have just enough time for what's next, where we highlight a new book we are excited about, but have not yet read. And uh, this episode, I will be talking about Inheritance Games by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. You know about my love for Barnes and the Barnesies. Um, but I really do like, I for the most part, I really do like her books. And I um, am looking forward to this one. It has gotten a lot of attention. It's a mystery, like most of Jennifer Lynn Barnes's work. 
Avery Graham's is surprised to find out that a billionaire has left her all her all his fortune. But then she has to move into to inherit it. She has to move into this house that's full of mysteries and puzzles and riddles and codes. And of course, there are attractive young men kind of vying for her, her attention, but also vying for the fortune. So there's a lot going on. And I think it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It's a Gateway Award nominee. Yeah. Uh, finalist. And so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have fun with that one, I think. Very cool. Good, uh, good thing to look forward to. I think if you haven't read that book and you're into mystery, I think that's a, a winner for sure. Yeah. All right. And with that, remember, read responsibly. Use a bookmark.